Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the AM Sisters podcast. You're here today with your hosts, Anna and Maria Setting, bringing your favorite twin talk of the week. In this episode, we're going to talk about gender, and we're doing this because it's Pride Month, and we're so sorry that we missed uh, last week's episode because our life got super busy and we didn't have time to record, but we're back this week bringing you another twin talk, so enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, this month is Pride Month, especially because back in 1969 in New York happened the Stonewall uh, riots, which is actually a riot that happened amongst the LGBTQIA plus community, people who were not heterosexual. Uh, they usually went to a bar called, to a place called Stonewall Inn. And some cops, they invaded the place as always, right? And they try to make people go away. They try to arrest some drag queens and all. And people, they stood up from, for themselves. They did not just comply with what the police was saying. And that was the first riot that ever happened of gay people. So that's why it is so important because after that, people kind of recognize that they do have a voice that they should not be silenced. And back in the days, I'm talking about the US, right? Back in the days, uh, it was against the law to be gay, basically. You could not have, I mean, you could not marry someone, you know, you could not adopt someone, but you could not even kiss someone in public, hug someone while holding hands, or even dance with someone. Any behavior that could show that you were not heterosexual could imply in some kind of punishment to them. And the police was always involved, arresting people who were uh, demonstrating to be part of the gay community or trans, especially. Wow. That's mm -hmm. really, it's scary because it's not that long ago, if you think about it. And like, it's like literally baby steps to come into a place where we can celebrate Pride Month nowadays. And still we have a long way to go because like I said, in the past, you couldn't dance together. But if you think nowadays, the government still saying no, I'm not talking about the US, but worldwide, there are some countries that people cannot marry whoever they want to. They cannot adopt children. They cannot, you know, so many things. So I think, we still have this fight to keep going. So everyone has the same rights. And I think Pride Month month really reminds us of that, you know, this journey. Um, but do you, what do you think about that? Like, how do you think gender is going nowadays? I think it's interesting that now the non-heterosexual communities, they are all together. Just something yeah. interesting. I mean, I wouldn't say all, but most of them, they are kind of together in the LGBTQIA plus movement, right? Because back in the days, they were not, they didn't used to be one community of people. Like I was talking to you before, people who were part of the gay and lesbian movement sometimes would not accept trans people. And it's really nice that nowadays, they are really welcomed and we are all 
you know, part of the same group of people. And one thing that I find interesting is the A in the LGBTQIA. Some people, they say A is for allies. So anyone who supports the movement or, you know, yeah, anyone who supports their allies. Other people, they say A stands for asexual, which I think they should also be included there because it's not part of the the compulsive binary heterosexuality as we see, you know. So I don't know. I think it's a little bit mean to exclude them and just say it's allies. <laughs> but I mean, they're not including the in the letters many, many other people, right? So I don't know. But that's something yeah. interesting for me. The plus is for a lot of other things. But I think in case of asexual, it's, it's kind of a, it's not one thing only, right? It's kind of this scale. So there is demisexual and there is all the way asexual. There is different types. Maybe, I don't know. Why do you can't interpret A as asexual instead of allies if you prefer <laughs> And I think many people who are part of the ACE community, the ACE is like the asexual community, they're also uh, sometimes gay or lesbian or bi. So yeah. some of them maybe are trans. So it's um, because sexuality is something different from your gender. gender identification, right? So it can vary. Yes. Like the name said gender identification is a form of identity, right? And it's something we perform. That's what we were discussing as well. Earlier, it's like, it's crazy how we perform gender in our societies. And some societies is more strict what it should be like for the male dominant narrative and a female dominant narrative of performance. In other countries, they are more equal somehow, right? And the gender roles are not so strict. But I think it, it varies a lot, even like comparing Brazil that we used to live and here in Asia, Japan and South Korea in my case. Um, what is expected out of women and men is quite different, right? It, I think like in Latin America, we have like machismo and all that stuff. So like men are supposed to be tough and, you know, all that stereotype that, is the heteronormative stereotype that we call it. It doesn't work for anyone. But I think here in Asia, it's the male role is expressed quite differently. It's kind of hierarchical. I, I don't know exactly how to explain, but it's not so much through the expression of like strength or you know the physical attributes that comes with normative masculinity. I think it's a different expression of power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about power, actually. But even though they don't show um, this machismo face that we are mentioning, like we see in Latin America, there is like very strict rules of what a woman is supposed to do, what a man is supposed to do. Even in terms of work or your social um, labor, I mean, if you take care of home or if you take care of the finances of the home, right? And it's still a huge problem. Although it, 
sometimes, especially amongst young younger people, we don't see a lot of like um, maybe inequality. But actually, if you look closely, there is a lot, even in a relationship. So, yeah, there is a long way to go with feminism as well. That's right. And what I was thinking sometimes, I don't know, it's a bit weird in Korea, like talking about the LGBTQIA plus community. It's still a lot of people are kind of hidden, you know, it's not accepted widely in society. So a lot of people prefer not to disclose their gender identity to others, uh, except only when they're close friends and their understanding. Um, and that's the one thing that is really bad in my opinion, because it pushes people to the shadow, sort of speak, because they cannot be open about who they are. And they don't receive like any social support or family support or friendships. So yes, and I I know there are some places that are, for example, there are a lot of gay clubs and not now during COVID, but in the past. And there used to be some lesbian clubs as well. But people told me that they always close the lesbian clubs because like it's kind of taboo, like people don't want it to happen and they close it for various reasons, like shut down the place. Really? Yes. That's crazy. Well, the gay clubs can continue to go on. So I think it's a bit weird too. And there are some places here that there are like drag queen performances and stuff like that, but it's not like wide open, I would say. Not everyone knows about it. Mm-hmm. And talking about the Pride Month nowadays, I think it's important for us to think about this, not as we see sometimes on social media, you know, just like love is love, because it's way more complex than that. Actually, the whole Pride Month is not about love. It's about resistance. It's about power. It's about standing up for ourselves. It's about saying, I'm also a human being and I deserve to be respected. It's not about love, actually. And it's way, you know, so simplifying. They're trying to simplify this so much by saying love is love. But I think sometimes it limits a little bit. You know, people just see the surface and they don't really recognize all the trouble that came before that for them to be able to say love is love. Hashtag love is love the LGBTQIA, you know, rainbow flag. And it's, it's way more complicated than that. And I think acknowledging all the efforts that other people have put into it before us and what we are doing now is the most important part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like you said, love is love. If you understand the meaning of love, you might look, you know, through the real meaning. And you might understand what it means, you know, because love is such a beautiful concept and so comprehensive. And I think if you think a little bit more about it, you understand that it's about social structure and power and all that stuff. But I think when it's just like thrown at the media all the time, like love is love, um, people don't really think about it, right? And another thing, most of the time, it's not even just about love. It's not really about the partner you have or you want to have. Most of the time, it's about your own identity, right? I mean, if you're a trans person, 
Sometimes it's not about love. It's about maybe your self-love, right? Recognizing who you are and who you want to be and making all the changes that will make you feel comfortable in your own body. Even like gay or lesbian, it's also about knowing yourself. I guess this love is really self-love, maybe. I think also like gender fluid people, you know, because you can start express. I mean, you start expressing your gender from the moment you're born. Judith Judith Butler says that gender comes first and identity comes after. So like people, they identify you by your pronouns, for example. Your pronouns tell you who you are to society. By piercing your ears. Oh, yeah, they piercing your ears. They, they tell you so many. Oh, boy. In Brazil, the moment you're born, if you're a girl, they're going to pierce your ears. Just, you know, like, why? It's a baby. Why would you pierce the ears of a baby? It hurts. Because you cannot uh, say that this baby is a boy if it's a girl. Because, you know, you can't. <laughs> so let's pierce those ears. Right? And then I completely agree. Like, society identifies you by putting on you a certain gender. as a gender normative society that we live in, wanting or not. So I think it's important to give space for, you know, kids that don't really identify with anything. Let them be. That's the best thing that can happen. And I know this whole discussion about pronouns and about gender fluidity and all those stuff, it's quite a recent topic because when we were growing up, I feel like I'm not old, you know, I'm in my early 20s. But even though when I was growing up, people never talked about it. And I don't think anyone that grew up in our generation felt that they could express themselves in any other way than the normative one. And I was thinking now, like, why people, why some people, they get confused or they don't like the confusion of not knowing what's going on with a person who is part of the LGBTQIA plus community, you know? And I think it all comes down to making you feel uncomfortable because you don't understand the other person. And because you see things in a very simplistic way, you want to understand everyone according to those little boxes that you have in your mind. But thinking back, like why, right? Why was this heteronormativity happen? I guess it was all because of the state, because they needed people, because they needed soldiers they needed reproduction right so any type of any type of relationship that would not produce a human being was invalidated yeah you're not working for the government you're not working for the state right so you're useless you're not going to have any any reward for not working for us right not having baby babies for us which is crazy right that's why they call it reproductive labor right it's something that is demanded out of the state and later on was demanded out of capitalism as well to keep going. Which is, this shows like how in many other societies, if you think about, not every society has this, you know, this thing against people who are not heterosexual. Some other cultures, they welcome people who express themselves differently. Like you told us before in 
the other episode about indigenous cultures that talked about two-spirited people and how they were like revered by their communities. So I think so I think we need to deconstruct whatever we're thinking. And I think, like you said, people feel uncomfortable with the pronounced things, they, them, she, her, him, whatever they want to call themselves. I think it's because people, when they grow up, when they're adults, they feel like they should know everything. And if you throw something at them, especially younger generations saying, that's not right, like, that's not me, they might feel kind of confronted and say, like, you know, I know, I know everything. Who are you to tell me that I don't know something? And that's why I think we must continuously learn from people. And talking about this entire community is really a learning process. You know, I myself don't know everything, but I'm engaged in listening, in learning, in, you know, all empathizing, all those things. And I think what you mentioned is very important, like people being confronted by someone younger saying, you don't know something. But also, I guess people in power, they are usually not part of the LGBTQIA plus community. And so when they hear different things coming from them, from this younger generation, they may feel it makes no sense. It's invalid. It's not necessary. They're creating something out of nothing. You know, it doesn't exist. Almost like, why do you need to have pronouns, different pronouns for you? I don't understand, right? So they invalidate their requests or even like those non-binary, non-gender binary toilets. It's so important, it's so important, but we don't, don't have the, those kind of toilets in many places too, because people who could make decisions to make this happen don't think it's important. And I think that proves another thing, how our society is structured not to let people who are non-heterosexual to enter those places because if they were in those places those things would become things of importance and would be dealt with it's all tied together yes so coming back is a power relation for sure but i was thinking as well how even though there is this whole structure that stops people from expressing themselves and changing the way they can see themselves. From the beginning of times, there were always like resistance, you know, because um, when we talk about any type of power will come with a counter power. It's kind of intrinsic, right? Like Foucault said, where there is power, there is resistance. Exactly. If you think like the 1920s, like in Germany or Paris and all those places, there were those clubs that women used to dress like gentlemen and they would dance and tetra and jazz was, you know. So I think even in societies like from the past that you think is very, you know, strict, I think people like artists that have always been thinking outside the box, those are the ones who can like express themselves. But I think also many people who are not conforming to something that is imposing to them. They have to transmute this energy into something. This discontent or this sometimes anger or sometimes even questioning about their own identity. Why I don't conform to something that has been taught to me since infancy. 
So maybe that's why we see so many people who are creative or who are producing different things inside this community because they have a lot to talk about and they have a lot to express and they're not conforming to things that they were supposed to be or to do or to, you know, how they should look like, how they should behave, anything. Or if they are, maybe they're questioning themselves, why am I doing this? But most people are not. They just do because it's easy for them. But for some people, it's not easy. The way mm-hmm. things are structured, it's not easy at all. It's always confronting what they what they feel is right for them. But you know what I was thinking as well? Like, if you think about drag performances or, you know, it's really a performance. Or I was thinking, you know, like Marcel Duchamp, he used to dress up like José Lavie. So he's like a very famous surrealist artist, right? And he used to dress as a woman and he gave a name to her. So it's kind of the double side of his personality. The other side was José Lavie. And then I think when a person does that, it's really, you know, like double identity is like knowing what is the performance of masculinity and knowing what's the performance of femininity, right? When they put those two faces together and they can be both, you can incorporate those two. But I think like people who are gender fluid really don't see, you know, the division between those. Because like in the past, they used to be like those two characters that a person could incorporate. So I wonder until what point is like conscious decision of performance. Like when you do a drag performance, the conscious decision of performance of femininity, for example, you know? You mean in our everyday lives? Yes, in everyday lives. So if you're listening to us and you're non-binary, you're gender fluid, let us know because it's really interesting and we would love to learn more about it. Well, that's true. We were talking about this before, like how some days you feel more like girl, kind of girly. Other days you don't feel like this at all, you know. And I think it's very subtle for many people, but for some people it may be very distinct, right? Not so subtle how they feel as a boy, as a girl, as non-binary. And I don't know you, but I think, for example, we have like the expression where depends when we're going to do something important, right? But I don't know why, but when I'm wearing pants, like literally, I feel more comfortable. Like I feel like it, nothing is going to, nothing bad is going to happen. When I wear like a skirt or a dress, I feel more vulnerable, you know? Yeah. So it's weird. But I guess it includes many things why we feel this way with pants and with skirts. Yeah. First, because we didn't grow up in a country that is very safe. So just wearing skirts was not safe, to be honest, right? Wearing pants was safe. So we always, we were always wearing pants all the time when we were growing up. And then when we became like adults right now, we just kept up with what we were doing before because that's what we were used to doing. 
But I agree with the aspect that wearing pants and being more masculine in a way makes you be more respected depending on the place you are. And that's because of our patriarchal society, right? That respects more men or what looks like a man or the behavior of masculinity instead of femininity. Yeah, because it's not like the clothes itself. Maybe if you come like from a Scottish tradition, you wearing a skirt like a cute, you're gonna feel goddamn good because that represents strength for you, you know? So it's not about the clothes itself, but what they mean. Everything has meaning. That's the crazy part. If you start looking around, paying attention, you're gonna see how crazy we are because we all work within the structure of a society. And we do everything because it has meaning in that society. The way you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way if you decide to do something or not, if you put makeup on or not, you know, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really clear that for me, especially when I had short hair and now longer hair. Oh, yeah. It's really different how people perceive me. Really different. Just because of my hair. But it happens. Because the way you look, people are going to think things about you. That's right. I think gender is a discussion that can go on for a very long time. And it's a dialogue. That's the most important part. Everyone can contribute because everyone has to express gender in some way. But I think I like to say that Although it's easier to conform to what people expect of you, do yourself a favor <laughs> and behave the way you want. Dress up the way you want. You know, of course, if it's safe, because I understand. If you're not hurting anyone. No, if you're not hurting yourself, depending on the place, it's dangerous. But I mean, yeah, with, with a little bit of, you know, sense, but yeah, try to do something that make you feel the way you truly are. And let yourself change. Sometimes we just like, I think we have to realize what we feel comfortable or safe wearing or being or expressing ourselves because we grew up to feel that way. And sometimes when you tap into who you really are, you're like, oh, actually, I'm not that. So feel free to express who you truly are. You know, I can see your true color shining through that kind of stuff. So thank you for joining the conversation, especially because it's a Pride Month. So if you have anything you want to share with us, any experiences, we would be really happy to hear from you. If you like the podcast or the video, please leave us a like, share, and comment down below. And if you're listening on the podcast, please leave us a review. It really helps. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here with us and happy Pride Month. Bye-bye.